Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Good morning, good morning, and a pleasant good Monday morning on a beautiful day here in greater Cincinnati. Lots of sunshine, lots of happy faces around here, even though we're rolling into work on a Monday. Casey McAllister, Paul Fritzner, good morning, men. Tom, great to be here. How are you doing today? Awesome. Casey, you all right? Yeah, doing great. Got the beard gone. It's gone. Yeah, I was going to try to wait a little longer. Uh, Is that for the wedding? Yeah, I was going to – so I was going to trim it all for the wedding and make it look nice, and it was going to be a, a lot shorter than what it was, but I just couldn't handle it anymore. I was getting too tired of it. Didn't feel like wasting the money to go get it trimmed up by a barber and then do it again, so I'm just going to let it grow out and hope that it works out. But, I mean, you're going to be clean-shaven like you are today for the wedding day. No, it's going to be, there's going to be... You're going to have that, like, that, that, that 10 o'clock shadow thing going? Yeah, that's the goal. It's going to be a 10 o'clock shadow. It's or... a big decision. Yeah. Tom, last time he shaved, he called you an ex-professional, so buckle up for the next week. <laughs> feel a little cantankerous this morning, so... <laughs> wow. Wow. I was shocked. I thought he'd go beard for the wedding. Well, just not that long. Yeah, was, that's fair. It was too much. That's fair. Now, now I feel, I feel naked. I feel bare. Yeah, I mm-hmm. bet. It's, I bet it's a terrible feeling. So Alex prefers the ten o'clock. I mean, that that's your oh, yeah. that's your wedding picture now, which is going to live forever. Yeah, she prefers that shadow look. That she little does. stubble. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, welcome, everybody, to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. We come your way Monday through Friday, 10 A to 12 P. There you go, Eastern Time. You can follow us on YouTube, Chatterbox Sports page. We ask you to jump in. And if you prefer to join us in podcast form, by all means, join Off the Bench. Search Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman, and you're dialed in. Big crowds, right? Great weather. Casey, you were down there Friday night. GABP had them both over the weekend with the Yankees in town and with it a chance really to get a dormant fan base excited about the product. But the single most important thing the Reds didn't get over the weekend, a single win. Friday night, a 6-2 loss. Saturday, the Aaron Judge show. He had four hits, five times on base, delivered the Game-winning hit in extra innings, 7-4 on Saturday. Then yesterday, the offense managed one single run behind Hunter Green, who pitched well. Went seven innings, allowed four runs, 4-1 loss. That was seven runs. Seven runs. The Reds scored in three games. The duo of Tyler Stevenson and Will Myers were a combined one for 14 in the first two games of the series. Both found themselves on the bench for Sunday's finale. With three straight losses, the Reds have slipped into dead last in the NL Central as they were leapfrogged by surging St. Louis. The Cardinals come to town tonight, open a three-game series. Brandon Williamson off his Major League debut. It was a good one out in Denver. He'll be opposed by Jordan Montgomery. First pitch at 640. Ricky Horton, you might remember him, a left-hander, reliever in the big leagues, longtime pitcher. Now he's a TV analyst for the St. Louis Cardinals. 
He will join us to talk about the series and Cardinals baseball at 11 o'clock. Brooks Kepka closed the deal in yesterday's final round of the PGA Championship. You may remember he couldn't hold that lead last month going into the final round at the Masters. But yesterday he stormed out of the gate and was able to hold off Victor Hovland and Scotty Scheffler to win his fifth major, his third PGA title. Final round score of 67. He was nine under for the tournament. It's interesting that while Kepka was the winner, most of the talk was about this guy. I mean, could you not be crazy about the club pro from California, right? He's the club pro at a country club in California, Michael Block. How about his week? Now, you know, he, he rolls in to Rochester, New York, figuring zero chance to compete, even make the cut, right? He goes to the final round in the hunt. He then aces the par three 15th. Do we have this? We do. Yeah, we do. Uh, this is unbelievable. Watch this. Seconds ago at the 15th. The fairy tale story. You know, if you watch his press conferences over the weekend, did you guys get a chance to watch much of that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the everyman, right? Yeah, and then him getting – did you see the, the video of him getting the phone call yesterday to get invited to the Charles Schwab? Yeah, well, that's what week? I was getting at is that he yeah. has a par three hole-in-one on the 15th, right? And then, I, I'm telling you, I mean, as unbelievable as the hole-in-one was – if you watched number 18, now he knows he has to par this hole, okay, to qualify for next year's PGA Championship. So he steps up on the tee, shanks it in the rough, and the rough's like this deep. Hits a next shot in the, the, the gronk, and there he is again. And you're thinking, there is no way on God's earth this guy's going up and down. It's like a hundo out. In the Gronk, it ain't happening. And he doesn't. It was, it, it was just unbelievable. I mean, it does go to show you, you don't have to win to have great things happen to you. And that's what happened with this guy, Michael Block. So what it means is he qualifies for next year's PGA Championship. And then, as Paul was starting to say, after all that, right? He finds out he gets a sponsor's exemption for two tournaments. The Charles Schwab next week, and then the Canadian Open in June. So here this guy gets off the plane probably Tuesday in Rochester, all the way from California. And he's thinking, oh, this is cool. I'm going to play a couple of days with the best in the world, right? 
And then they had the press conference where after the first round, he was like eight shots better than John Rahm. Did you see that interview yeah. when yeah. they asked him that question? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Incredible. And look, you know, it's interesting. Golf, for a long, long time, golf was considered to be the sport of, of kind of the elite crowd. Big money, country clubs. All. But as the years have gone by, golf has done such a beautiful job of appealing to just the common man. I mean, how many of you get out and play in some golf league on a Tuesday night, right? With all your buddies, right? You can be skinny as a rail. You can be 70 pounds overweight. You can have cheap clubs, bad clothes. Doesn't matter, right? It's becoming, in a lot of ways, an every man's game. And that's why a guy like Michael Block appeals to so many and what he did this weekend. You're not a golfer, are you, Casey? No. I, in fact, I, every time I'm uh, invited to go golfing, I tell them that I'll just be their hype man. I'll be their, uh, their, uh, caddy. Their caddy. 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 Because I'd rather just watch someone who's really good at golf than me try to attempt playing or, you know. Hey, you weren't that bad. We all went last year. We had a day where uh, we, had you, a, we had a Friday <laughs> off. You weren't there to see the handicap. <laughs> oh, was I not? No. Yeah, you did play in the group in front of me. Yeah, you, you weren't there. Okay. It, it's, it's okay. Right. I, we, Trace was just trying to be nice, but I'm really bad. Well, I saw the swing. It wasn't terrible. Like when you told I'm me, sure it was terrible. Well, yeah. to be I fair, bet on it. To be fair to Casey, when you said you didn't golf, I was expecting like a little nothing burger five feet in front of the tee box. I don't know how many shots I saw though, so maybe that was the majority of the shots. You were okay. You made contact. Yeah, I made contact. All right. Well, hey, there are a lot of guys that swing and miss. It's true. Right? And they're getting out there, just getting started. That's right. Paul, you are a golfer. Love golf. Yeah. God, it's so hard playing right now with all these leagues, though, to your point about leagues. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you get off, it's like you're trying to find a tee time at like 5 or 5.30, and everybody's in leagues till 6.30. Well, our son Luke plays on the golf team, and, 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 and they had a match somewhere. I can't remember where it was. It was way out, somewhere out around here. And um, I had never heard of the place. And so he was wrapping up. They played nine in a high school, you know, match against somebody. And as we're coming in, I mean, there must have been on a Tuesday or Thursday, there must have been 60 guys who all work at one of the, the plants, um, not the executive guys, but the, the, the guys who work at one of the P&G operations around town. Sure. And there, I mean, there must have been 50 of them out there. One group after the next. Oh, yeah. In a league. Fantastic. All right, in basketball, both playoff series, they're, they're basically over. The Miami Heat have just destroyed the Boston Celtics. I don't know if anybody saw that coming. The Heat will tell you they saw it coming. And I tell you, it's really interesting to read more and more about this Miami team. That coach of theirs, that is a big league coach. For the Miami Heat. Spolstrand. Is that how you pronounce his name? Eric Spolstra. But of course, you know, I was trying to explain to my son who's telling me what a great coach this guy is. It is a great coach. But I said to him, I said, man, can you imagine? And those coaches, man, I mean, they, they, even the, you know, they might look sharp in their suits. And I, 
I mean, these guys are grinding, and the assistants, okay? I mean, they are grinding. They're in their offices all night watching film, trying to make adjustments from one game to the next, opponent to the next. And I said to my son, you're too young to remember. I mean, can you imagine having a guy like Pat Riley to fall back on if he got some questions about something? And, of course, my son, who's so young, he knows nothing about Pat Riley. I mean, Pat Riley is one of the top five coaches of all time. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. And he runs the Miami Heat. And, I mean, he runs it with an iron fist, man. He's got his thumb on the pulse of everything happening with that team. And when you start to read more and more about them, now these articles are going to come up as they're winning. But we had said here on the show that, you know, the common thinking around was that Miami had some bad breaks, they had some injuries, so on and so forth, but that they were healthy and ready to go when the playoffs started, even as an eighth seed. Well, they barely beat the Bulls to get in in that playoff game, one-game playoff. But since then, I mean, it's no contest. They've only lost three games. Yeah. Three. Yeah, I mean, they destroy Milwaukee, right? Then they just, what, five games over the Knicks? Wasn't even a series. And here we are, 3-0 on Boston. 128-102 yesterday. Three games to none there. Tonight, Denver can officially wrap up the Western Conference Finals. That's out in L.A. Nuggets lead that series three games to none. Again, no contest. None. And the Nuggets have never beaten the Lakers in a postseason series. This is the eighth time they have played them in a playoff series, and they're one win away from beating them for the first time. On the college front, now, Paulie, help me with this. UC landed <laughs> seven-footer Aziz Bonduogo. Is that right? I, yeah, I think no, so. No, you're guessing, too. I, no, I, I think, well, Bonduogo. Or is it Ego? Or is it Ego? It's a, it's a good question. I only saw him play the one game this year um, against UC in the in the NIT. That's and in that game against Utah Valley, right, who eliminated UC, he scored 15 points and had 12 rebounds. He averaged 11 points and 11 rebounds per game during the season. Now, some are going to say, okay, it's Utah Valley. What's their competition? Well, they played UC and he played great. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, I'm not going to sit here and talk a ton about him. I haven't really watched any film on him yet. And that's the only game that I saw him play live. So uh, I don't really have a, a ton of thoughts on this, but we might have. Chad Brendel coming Yes, up we later. might. We're waiting. Chad has a uh, show at 11 o'clock. He's hoping when he gets off that show that he can join us. And look, he's, he's tuned into everything with both UC football and uh, UC basketball on the recruiting front. And both of them are doing very, very well in football and basketball recruiting, whether it's a portal or whether it's high school guys. And then there's FC Cincinnati. They were not perfect. They weren't perfect. They blew a two-goal lead, right? Yep. And then they come away with a 3-2 win. I, I, I guess there was some huge goalie gaffe I read about. Is that right? It was a game-winning goal for FC? I anyway, it's the uh, Hell is Real matchup. FC Cincinnati sports the best record in the MLS, and they are now 8-0 at home where they sell out every game. That atmosphere looked electric. On it Sunday. really did. I, I, was. I was talking to somebody yesterday who had never been to an FC Cincinnati match and went down there for the first time on Saturday night and was just telling me how much fun they had and how great the atmosphere was and, and the, the game production and everything else. And then, of course, the actual game on the pitch was a lot of fun, too. But 
Uh, FC just does such a good job with that. And it was all over the country uh, nationally on Twitter and everything else. The, the game was trending. And it, w it turned out to be a, a great match. Uh, FC's second goal, I think, came on a penalty. Mm -hmm. I didn't see the game winner. Um, I was actually uh, – I was – I didn't get to see it either. I was, yeah, I was, I was very busy Saturday and Sunday, so I did not see the game winner. But I did I was reading about everything, so I kind of got the gist of everything that happened. Went back and watched some of the highlights. Um, but yeah, it was it seemed like a seemed like a great time. From all the pictures, I, I had a ton of friends down there, and from all the pictures and the videos and everything everybody was sending, it, it looked like just an incredible atmosphere. They just continued to deliver time after time after time. To be fair to FC, I know you said that they gave up their lead. Columbus Crew and their play style is very, uh, I would say that it that it is the weakness of FC's play style, at least on defense. So the They're fact that- They're a pretty wide open, high scoring team, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Columbus. The, the, this was pretty much what everyone expected the game to be like. A three to two matchup, deciding goal being FC. Um I'll tell you what, though, um, FC, if, they, if they're getting hot, like if Acosta is getting hot and we get Vasquez really getting going That's and right. with some of these other guys that are new to the team that are now also starting to step up, this offense is getting back to where it was last year. And if that's the case, yeah. Well, and the, the, the defense has, what, six shutouts? Yeah, clean sheets, like Tom. Clean pardon sheets. Me, pardon me. Pardon <laughs> me. Pardon me. Six clean sheets this season. That's right. Nothing like clean sheets. I mean, I know they. But you got to score to win, so you make a good point. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying that. I know right now they're at the top of the standings, but I think they deserve to be there. I think they are the best. Top of the table, Casey. Come on. Top of the table. Boy, whatever. Casey, standings, if I can't table, count whatever. on you for getting the. <laughs> Jargon right. Who you know, can? I'm just guy? being. I'm just playing around. <laughs> just playing around. But I, for one, I'm not one for jargon and whatnot. That's not me. But we're Americans here. Yeah. I mean, I'm gonna say whatever. But exactly anyways, right. FC is the best. Stinking Europeans. We've been carrying air water for a hundred plus years. Go ahead. FC is the best team right now in in Cincinnati. Right now, yeah. I would even say they they might be. In terms of if you're going to compare the Bengals to FC in their league, FC might be better than the Bengals. Oh well, I mean, I they're they're the best team in the MLS right now, 100. percent Well, you said all year the Bengals were the best team in the AFC in the NFL. You had them number one on your stink list all the time. I know, but and look I, what happened. There was an interesting article though written over the weekend, I think, by Mr. Williams about okay, is it time now? They're clearly good enough to have the best team, but this is the same thing we talk about with the Bengals. It's one thing to have the best team, right, in the regular season. And Lord knows, for us to get to the uh, postseason in soccer, um, Casey uh, will look like a member of Duck Dynasty. Oh, yeah. Because it's a long time from now. Plus, you take a month break which for teams that are playing well is not good for momentum. Heal some injuries, some nicks and bruises and that kind of thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, but the question was, and that we were getting at, we talk about it all the time with the Bengals. You follow it closely enough, Casey, where, okay, they have the best record right now, 
But is this team built to win in the postseason? And I bring that up because, you know, I, I can fall back on, let's say, baseball. And I could have told you, I mean, I, I, mean, I did. I, I was doing the games. The Atlanta Braves won their division 13 years in a row. Can you imagine that in any sport? The closest thing was Tom Brady while he was in New England. They won one World Series. One. And the reason why is because as great as that trio was of pitching, of Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz, all Hall of Famers, as great as that trio was, the postseason is built on power pitching, missing bats. That's what it's all about in the postseason. And Maddox was not a flamethrower. Glavin was not a flamethrower. Great pitchers. But go look up their postseason numbers and compare them to Smoltz. It's not saying those guys were chokers. You're playing the very, very best of the best, right? And there aren't going to be high-scoring games. But Maddox and Glavin, their regular season numbers are nowhere close to their postseason numbers. Smoltz was. So I'm asking you, in a circuitous way, this. is FC Cincinnati built to win in the postseason? I do think they are. I, Why? Mainly because they've got the star, they got the star power. They've got their defense pretty much figured out. They've got the offense starting to fire on all cylinders. They're hot right now. The on problem top is of the, the season is so long. Yeah, I, I get that. I, the way I would describe it, too, is that after this year, you're looking at a potential, a potential loss of a lot of your star power. Um, you know, we're, we're already losing Brenner. You might lose Vasquez. Acosta's really good. I don't know why he's not been swept up by any other team. But those guys, if we can keep those guys together, that core, and then some of these pieces that have developed really nicely, if they just continue to stay healthy, I think that they can make a serious push for a championship. I really do. Well, I mean, Tommy they, they, G made the comment about some of the players you made reference to that if offensively some of those guys can start to be the offensive players you think they are, and they've proven in the past they are. Be hard to imagine that FC Cincinnati, with as good as their defense is, that they're going to allow three goals in a game. Is that fair? Right. And to be fair, they only lost to last year's champion or runner-up by one. Like, they, they, were, they could have won that game. I think really what just happened there was that they just couldn't, obviously they couldn't score, but um, it was a very close game. You know, it wasn't like they were out of it or they were completely outmatched. I think they could have won it last year. So they're really just building upon what they already built last year, if you ask me. And it even shows in, in the actual table, they have 30 points. They have a plus table seven. would be standings for the rest of humankind, correct? That's right, correct. John. Thank you. Correct. Learning. They have, learning. We're learning. They have the most points in the MLS league right now. They have a plus seven goal differential, which isn't the best, but it is. It's up there. It's one of the top like five in goal differentials. I mean, they only have one loss on the season too. Yep. I mean, th this team is 
is really good right now. They're grooving. They're grooving. I got to tell you, Paul brings up a great point because I, I think it was our friend Lance McAllister who 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 sent it out on tweet, uh, on Twitter, where wherever he was sitting, uh, he, he he took the video from one end of the stadium comes across to the other end of the stadium, and man, I got to tell you, uh, rarely do I get fired up about watching you know a, a video that somebody sent out on Twitter. But I got to tell you, it made me want to go down there. Never been there. That's that's what I was just saying. You, you talk to people that haven't been there. Look, I'm not going to sit here and, and stump for soccer. I understand. It's going gonna, it's gonna to always be tough for this sport to catch on in the United States. I get it. I'm not, I'm not, I enjoy it. I really enjoy watching it. But I'm not going to sit here and try and beat the drum and convince everybody about the sport. If you either like it or you don't. But well, I think you can come to like it. You if can. You I mean, I have come a little bit better, right? I have very much come to like it, but that's partly because I have broadcast and it, have seen it, and it's such a different experience when you're in it all the time and, and watching it than it is just like flipping on one World Cup match and, and you right. know. But what my my overall point here though is, even if you don't like the sport, even if you don't like the sport. Just going down there and experiencing the city, it's so different because the culture of the people down there are very different than the culture of the people with the Reds or the Bengals. The culture of the games is different. Everything about even, the experience. Even the area. Like, most people are familiar with the banks. Yeah. Most people enjoy, after games, going to the banks. OTR is just different. It's you unreal. Know, it's, yeah. it's unreal. I, I mean, I told you guys I was down there for a charity event a few weeks ago, and they were playing on the same night. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. And Casey, that's a great point about it's a different area of town. It's a different vibe of the town, right? Right. And, 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 and mass amounts of people are walking. Now, you'll get, a little, you'll get a lot of that with the Bengals game and the same thing where people are walking. But, I mean, they got bands and people banging on drums. and I mean, it's, it, it's crazy. It is. Yeah. The, the, the stadium, the crowd atmosphere is, a, is very hot and electric the entire 90-plus minutes. That's one thing I'll say. Like, you have a lot of breaks in between for football, for, like, commercial breaks. You got in-between innings. Really, baseball is just a very – it doesn't get very electric most of the time. There's very few moments. But for soccer, it's always cheering – chanting nonstop the entire game. And not only that, most people that I talk to want to watch a winning product. You're going to see some winning football on the field, on the pitch. If you go or soccer on the pitch, soccer on the pitch, however you want. To it's call still it. soccer, soccer on the pitch. If you go down and watch FC this year. So I suggest you guys go. This is going to be one of those times where you don't know what the, what's going to happen next what's, year. What's they, a normal, if you were to jump on, uh, because I'm assuming, and maybe I shouldn't assume this, are all of their games sold out now, like for the rest of the year? Would you have to go no. to some ticket out? No, you can buy tickets to a game. What do they cost? Uh, you can get in for like 25 bucks. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can, 
You can yeah, get really, you get really good seats for like 50, 60 bucks. Well, I mean, now you're starting to get up there a little bit. I mean, 50, 60. I'm not saying that. It's not chicken scratch. No, but you can but get in the, you can, you can get, get in, in the door. TQL. For, okay. Yeah. And I mean, there can't be many bad seats, right? No. Seats, what, 20 something thousand? It's, I think a sellout, they announced at 25,000. Yeah. And yeah, I've, I've sat at the top and yeah. it's been perfectly fine. Yeah. What I was saying is just like, if you want on the lower bowl, and you want to sit in the middle, it's like 50 bucks. So okay. that's what. That's fair enough. Yeah. All right. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, like I said, we got Ricky Horton coming up at 11. We'll talk about the Reds and the um, Cardinal Series starting tonight. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Reds over the weekend. Like to hear your thoughts on the chat. Many of you by the thousands watching already. Um, also, going to get into this Bengals Ring of Honor thing. They've given a name of, I mean, it, a list of names that is just, it, there's some great names on there. Some guys that should be in the, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, but this is about who belongs in the quote-unquote Bengals Hall of Fame, which, by the way, the Brown family, you know, they've got Katie and Troy who are kind of running the thing. Then you got the daughters who are super smart and doing all the social media stuff. It is time for the Bengals with everything going on down there. It is time for them to build a hall of fame. After the major league baseball hall of fame, the Reds hall of fame is the next best hall of fame that there is in the country. I'm telling you. All right. And I'm talking about for one sport. You have the big one. The football Hall of Fame is unreal, basketball. But I'm just saying you get the baseball Hall of Fame, then the next best one is the Reds. In the NFL, you have the football Hall of Fame, and then you have the Patriots. It's unreal what they did out there at Gillette Stadium and, and, and right outside the building they put up and the, the fan experience stuff. Remember the playoff game where they kicked the field goal in the snow? They've got a little thing in there, right? They got a thing in there where it's snowing all the time and you go in there and try to kick the field goal up against a video board. I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff in there, right? The Bengals need a Hall of Fame. This is nice, a ring of honor. I know it's baby steps and they've come a long way just in the last couple of years and good for them. But it's time for them now to go all in on a Hall of Fame. We're going to talk about some of the names that are up. And it's always so tough. Paul pointed out we were having the conversation off air, you know, beforehand. When you're doing this from the very start and you're trying to cover 50 years, in this case, of a franchise that's never won a Super Bowl, you know, you're playing catch-up, right? I mean, every one of the names on this list will end up one day in the ring of honor. But there are a lot of these men who are up there in their 70s, if not their 80s. So a lot of fans, younger fans, say, oh, Shoshinko, got to go in. Chad Johnson, got to be in. Well, there's no doubt that he should be in. But what about Bob Trumpy, who revolutionized the sport of football as a tight end, thanks to having Paul Brown as his head coach? He was the first guy that would line off the tackle, not next to him. Every team in, the, in, in pro football, right? You have the five offensive linemen and the tight end right there in the line of scrimmage, Right? Trumpy was the first guy they, they split out. He was such a phenomenal athlete, four-time Pro Bowler. What about leaping Lamar Parrish? Right? Unbelievable player. Most people will tell you one of the reasons Kenny Riley is going into the Pro Football Hall of Fame this year is because Lamar Parrish was on the other side of the field and nobody tested the guy. 
most people felt like for about a five, six, seven-year run, Parrish was the best cornerback in the league. That's taking nothing away from Kenny Riley. Don't misunderstand me. But what I'm saying is, what I'm getting at is, <clears throat> there are guys that are older guys. You want to put guys in when they're alive. I saw firsthand, and I've told the story before on this show, nothing was more heartbreaking or got me mentally angry, pissed, really pissed. And, and I don't like using that word, so forgive me. But angry, like what baseball did to Ron Santo. Because Ron Santo was like an older brother to me. I love that man as much as one man can love another man. I worked with him for six years doing the Cubs games on radio. We stayed great friends forever. We spent time socially together all the time. During the season, in the offseason, I moved to Arizona. He made his winter home out there. And every single year, Hall of Fame voting would come out. First, it was the writers year after year after. This is Sano's year. Headlines in the Chicago papers in the dead of winter when you're ready to find out about it. This is Ronnie's year. So our guy Ronnie's year. Well, it never came. Then comes the Veterans Committee, who are supposed to, you know, sort of make up for the misses that the writers had, right? Joe Morgan used to head up that thing. They go two years and don't put anybody in, including Ron Santo. So what happens to Ron Santo? He grew up a diabetic. He's getting older. Like many diabetics, he's starting to have blood flow problems down in his feet and in his legs. They amputate one leg. He recovers. They amputate a second leg. He recovers and still broadcasts the Cubs games while still waiting for that call from the Hall of Fame. Then he died. And guess what happened? The next year, he goes into the Hall of Fame. His wife, Vicki, did the acceptance speech. So look, while this Bengals uh, Ring of Honor thing may not be on the same level as the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame or the Pro Football Hall of Fame, right? For some of these guys, this is a big deal. This is the biggest deal. They haven't played in 40, 50 years, some of these guys. And all the younger generation, or many of us, younger, I'm not young, but the guys your age, you know, we only remember... There are a lot of guys running around don't even remember Collinsworth as a player and a great player. And he's on that list. So we're going to talk more about this when we come back because this is a good, healthy, interesting discussion. Um, and, and we're going to get into who's voting on it now. A little perplexing to me here on who's voting on this deal. Uh, but we'll get to that in a second. Ham and Eggers, here we go. It's that type of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great, trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. 
All right, we have a lot to talk about here with the Bengals coming up. So the Bengals report is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data center world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing models to improve efficiency and productivity. Visit Encore.tech. The path to innovation begins here. So close. Also, a new premium alkaline water. And we talked about this last weekend. They are the official. This is Pawnee. Oh, there's one right here. Hold on. Let me get it. Right here. Right here. They are the official water of the River's Edge Concert Series for this summer in Hamilton in 2023. The sole water provider of that event all summer long. They use natural limestone filtration and they are made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. The result of this natural limestone filtration is a healthy alkaline water that also results in the best tasting water in the world. You can buy their water either one at pawneywater.com and that's P-A-H-H-N-I water.com P-A-H-H-N-I water.com. Or you can find it in stores. Casey found it in a store the other day, found it in a gas station. Reed was in a gas station the other day, got a good look at it. And our uh, best man of the program, Thomas, he found it on the Purple People Bridge for the um, the event that they had there. The tequila, or not tequila. Yeah, Margarita Madness. Margarita, Margarita Madness, yeah. On the Purple People Bridge, that was 530 to 830 the other night. And they... Uh, he took a picture of it. Yep. I'm going to pull it up here in just a minute. But, yeah, if you guys find it, please feel free to send it to us on Twitter or anywhere that you can reach us on the Discord. We haven't, we haven't pubbed that in a while. Um, but, yeah, we would love to have it so then we can uh, share the good word of Pawnee because Pawnee's growing, and it's good, really good for you. So, please. Send us some photos of you drinking some Pawnee water. We want you to be healthy, right? Stay hydrated. Drink Pawnee water, get your coffee from UDF, bet with Bedfred, and get your technology solutions from Encore.tech. One last thing before we get to back to the Bengals here. Uh, just real quick, we don't need to really spend too much time on it, but Carmelo Anthony did retire. A legend. Never got his title. Did win several Olympic gold medals and won... A national championship with Syracuse, but never got that NBA title. All right. Back to the Bengals we go, Tom, and the voting process and everything else for this Ring of Honor. Okay. So, uh, I don't know how they came up with the original list of names, but whoever came up with the list of names, uh, whether it was fans or the Bengals, kudos. Phenomenal list of names. I mean, golly day. If you're old enough to remember... All of them, great. If you're old enough, say guys my age to remember most of them, um, great. Younger guys, great. Um, you know, and all of them come with a little, you know, sort of different tale, right? So do we have a list of those names somewhere? Yes, we do. Okay, so let's put these names up. And, and... I mean, look at some of these names, right? Jim Breach, greatest kicker in franchise history. For me, without a doubt, 
best running back in franchise history. It's not even debatable. As an all-around player is James Brooks. Collinsworth, he was a, the franchise leader in a mu multiple categories when he retired. Corey Dillon's the all-time leading rusher. Boomer Esiason, second most passing yards. I believe he was second, or maybe Andy Dalton leapfrogged. Took him to a Super Bowl. Uh, David Fulcher, phenomenal player. Out of Arizona State, safety, bruiser, tough, cared. Chad Johnson, leading receiver in virtually every category there is. Receiving. Tim Crumry, heart and soul of the defense, the team that went to the Super Bowl out of Wisconsin. Two offensive linemen, both all-pro players, multiple times all-pro players. Max Montoya lined up alongside Anthony Munoz, Dave Lapham on the other side. Both of those guys helped lead high-powered offenses going to a Super Bowl. We talked about leaping Lamar Parrish. All the return touchdowns, interceptions returned for touchdowns. Team leader all time. Bob Trumpy. Talked about him a moment ago uh, out of Illinois. And then Reggie Williams, who, of course, uh, became eventually a city councilman, played football in the Ivy League and was a great linebacker for the Bengals. Now, the way this works from here, Bengals season ticket holders and sweet holders are the only ones at this point allowed to vote. So, uh, and look, th th there's no right way or wrong way on this deal, okay? I I'm not going to beat the Bengals up for allowing the people who spend a lot of money uh, and are emotionally invested in the franchise. And I know that many of you out there are emotionally invested in the franchise. Maybe you can only afford to go one game a year. I get it, okay? I get it. Uh, but that's uh, the group of people that will decide the final two. And two will go in. So, let me ask you guys this question. Before I ask you who you would put in, do you think that the season ticket holders and the suite holders who are going to decide the two for this year, and I'm assuming that'll be one of the first games of the year, home game, maybe not the season opener at home, but you know, last year they did it on that Thursday night. Against right. Jacksonville, if I remember right, right? Or that, no, against um, who they do it against last year? Miami. Miami. Okay. Um, if you had a vote, would you take into account the age of the player? Yay or nay? I certainly would. Um, look, we all know. Chad deserves to be in there. We all know Corey deserves to be in there. Heck, I would even say we all know Boomer and Chris all deserve to be in there. But I think football is bigger than, than just what you did on the field. I think being an organization that is always thought of as um, family built, you know, th this this organization that didn't really stoop to the level of some of these other big um, programs like Dallas. I know Dallas is not, probably not a good example, but we are a family-owned team, right? Yes. 
Well, Dallas is a good and, example there, family-owned team. Same thing, one guy bought him. Right, but I'm just saying, like, we, we, we should be holding different values than other teams. And I think we should take age into, uh, into effect because I don't want to see another Ken Riley situation. I don't want to put in a guy that has passed away when we could have done it before. Those guys know that they're going to be in there at some point. They can wait their turn. Chad Johnson knows he'll be in our ring of honor at some point. Let's get in the guys that may not live to see it first. Okay. That, that's all I'm saying. And I think, I don't think that's a terrible take, but I, I feel like people uh, would take stats over, over the, the age thing. And I think that's just dumb because I think football is bigger than that. Well, they just inter interject real quick because you, you bring up something that's interesting, and that would be stats. The game has changed so much. So for a guy like Trumpy, let's just, I'll pick him. You know, he's like eighth or ninth all time in the franchise history in receiving yards, and he's right there somewhere in, in receptions and that kind of thing. They weren't throwing the ball a lot period back in those days it was a different game um so you know trying to compare you know his numbers to somebody else uh they're, they're not going to stack up um paul for you age play into it or not yeah age would play into it i, I think when we talk about voting on this with the season ticket holders and the suite holders and everything like that for this it doesn't really bother me because you can't go wrong with a list like this and that was my point to you before the show that when you're starting a ring of honor like this from scratch five ten years down the line once you've gotten some of these guys in who deserve to be in, we all know deserve to be in, any combination of two of these guys getting in is a win. You can't get, you can't get this wrong. So it doesn't really matter. And to your point, really the only way you could get it wrong was if you left out somebody who then passed away before you could get them in. So from that angle, all that to me is to say, yes, I would vote on the older guys first to be able to get them in, you know, ahead of some of these younger guys. But again, this is not something that the Bengals can get wrong. Like, it's too easy to do this from any one of these guys. So it, it doesn't matter, really, to me. You can't get it wrong as far as who's voting. All right, then really let matter. me get right to it. And by the way, a couple of people have pointed out, you know, why isn't this guy in, that guy in? The people that are already there are Kenny Anderson, Paul Brown, Anthony Munoz, Willie Anderson, Isaac Curtis, and Ken Riley. So a lot of people have been asking about Isaac Curtis. He's already in. All right, so with that in mind, if you're going to play, you're going to at least take it into account. The other thing I would ask, are you going to take into account? Now, this ring of honor is for what someone has done for the franchise. Okay? Most of these guys on the field. Yeah. You know where I'm going with this, right? Right. Dave Lapham, great player, one of the best at his position in the NFL for a long time. This guy was a gamer and a great player. He's also been your radio analyst for 25 years. Yep. Does that come into effect when you're voting? All right. So, Casey, 
You said you were going to take, you know, age into account. Um, but that doesn't mean that's going to be your, you know, exclusive reason for putting somebody in. With that list, who are you putting in? You got two guys. If you voted, who would they be? If I have two guys, if I have two choices, I'm probably going with Lamar Parrish. And I, I really, I didn't want to go Dave because I think he's still on the healthier side, but he's uh, not. I know he's he's not young, but he is healthier. Who? No, no. I was saying like, he, barring an emergency situation, I don't think Dave's going anywhere anytime soon. Right. That that's what I'm saying. And I don't know the the health of these guys. I do know Lamar and Bob are the oldest on this list, right? So I yep. Lamar would be my first. Um, probably Dave would be my next one. I think those are my two. I think Bob is third for me. Okay. Um, and then after that, I, I don't know. I don't know who the next. I'll take Boomer. Give me Boomer and Lamar. Boomer and Lamar. Give okay. me Boomer and Lamar. Okay. You know, it'd be kind of cool to see like Boomer and Chris or Boomer and Dave. Yeah. Um, like teammates. Both go in on the same team, um, but yeah, for me, for me, it's Lamar and Dave. I think those are my two that I'd pick if I was a, a voter. Okay. What about you? Uh, I'm gonna age is very much gonna be a big factor for me because of the Sando story I shared a little while ago. I, I think this would mean the world to Trumpy, who's made his home here all these years, raised his kids here. Um, he revolutionized the game for his position. Um, I would put Trumpy and Lamar Parrish in. Uh, th those would be my two for this year. But every one of them is deserving. You know, I brought up here about, you know, looking down the road. And, 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 and maybe one of the younger guys goes in. Because there's no doubt each and every one of those guys on there deserves it. You've got... Ocho Cinco, the all-time leader in um, uh, their respective categories, rushing and receiving, right? Corey Dillon. Uh, but James Brooks, uh, I've said it before, was a better player than Corey Dillon. Different kind of player, but a better all-around player. Whether it was running, whether it was receiving, his yards per carry far higher. Now he had far fewer carries than Dillon. Um, was higher. Uh, his receiving numbers were insane, and he was one of the best return guys in the NFL. Kickoffs, punts, you name it, he did it. Great blocker, whole nine yards. Dylan, great player, workhorse, man, but a lot of baggage here near the end. Right? Right. Right? Um, Ocho Cinco. Look, people around here might love him. Not everybody around here loves him. There was a lot going on there. That tired act, and I was at the game. I had just moved to Cincinnati, moved back. That tired act of walking around with a Hall of Fame jacket during a game season opener, tired, <laughs> really tired. But I, that's just me. Maybe you guys thought it was cool. I, I, think, that, <laughs> I think that alone should have got him in. <laughs> oh, my God. Ain't no one going to stop number 85. He was a great player. I mean, listen, great player, and it's too bad he played on some terrible teams. Good Lord, did he play with some terrible teams. 
But Chad is a legend, no question. And seems like a great dude. Absolutely. He does. Spot him down at the Covington McDonald's anytime. He's at the Covington McDonald's? Oh, my. I, yeah. honest, honest to God, Tom, I think if you go to the Covington McDonald's at any point during the day, there's like a 50% chance you might run into him getting a double cheeseburger. But he's still in great shape, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, he, I'm in great shape. I love McDonald's. Have you, have you ever heard of his, uh, him talking about his diet? Well, I've heard others talk about going on. The one guy that went on for one year, nothing but a McDonald's exclusive diet. He's in the best shape he's ever been in his life. It's crazy. So Ocho, he's down there. His diet is like that and T-Bell and. Oh, no, I think it's just McDonald's, honestly. I, I've never heard him say anything else, but he's an exclusive McDonald's partner. He loves McDonald's. But Chad doesn't live here, live here, does he? Live here? I think he does. I uh, thought he was down in Miami. Is he? He, he might. He I might don't know. I don't but he's know. in town a lot. Yeah. He's in town enough to make you think he lives here if he doesn't. Okay. Um, yeah. Everett points out he's always around. When you see him, he goes to games. Whole nine yards. He'll have a cigar. Take a picture with you anytime you want. Yeah. Seems like a fun dude. Um, Sir Boy Wonder. He votes for Boomer and Chris. Boomer and Chris are going to get a lot of votes. Yeah. In fact, if I were uh, handicapping this thing, your top three most likely to go in, who would your three be? Uh, my three would definitely be Boomer, Chris, and Chad. Yep. Yep. Spot on. No doubt. All right. If you had to say, if you had to narrow it down to two that are going in, if, if we're just handicapping this, wh what two you think get the most votes? I'm betting Chris and Boomer. I would, I would say Boomer and Chad because I think there's a stigma around Chris. But like, I think a lot of fans here in Cincinnati feel like Chris turned against us. He's like this. That is figure. nonsense. Yeah, I, I think it's a terrible take, too. Chris is just doing his job as an analyst on, you know, it, regardless. I think there's a lot of tired takes about Chris, um, a lot of negative opinions on him. So that's why I would say Chad over him. But that's – I don't think that's the way it should be, but that's what I would say if it was just two. What about you? Boomer – and then I'm trying to decide between Chris or Chad. I'm going to probably say Chad – I'm going to probably lean Chad. I'm thinking of the season ticket holder demographic. I'm thinking of the people that have recently surged in buying season tickets lately since the Bengals have been better. I'm going to probably say Chad gets the nod here. But maybe it'll be – I don't know. I think it's Boomer. I think Boomer is one of them. And then the other one is Chris or Chad. And I'm going to say Chad. So you're saying who in Chad? Boomer and Chad. Boomer and Boomer Chad. And okay. Chad. All right. Yeah. And the, I mean, look, I saw it firsthand and I've talked to Joe Buck about this at length many, many times um, about how in say Joe's case, um, you know, he's broadcasting the world series for Fox born and raised St. Louis, his dad, legendary voice of the Cardinals. He was a voice for a short time of the Cardinals. But now he's doing the World Series with the Cardinals against the Boston Red Sox. 
And I mean every Cardinal fan in the world thinks he's rooting for Boston and that he's turned on the Cardinals. Ridiculous. Chris Collinsworth is paid to do a job. And if the Bengals are good, he's going to say they're good. And if they stink, he's going to say they stink. And they have stunk for a lot of years since he retired. Now they're starting to get on those prime times games, and Chris is working those games, and he'll talk them up when they're playing well. So, anybody's holding anything against Collinsworth, it's absurd. Um, one guy that's not on that list, and you've heard me talk about him, and we're going to have him on the podcast or have him on the show, is Mike Reed. Mike Reed is the most fascinating story of all of them because of all of those guys you just saw on that list right there, trust me when I tell you this. All of the guys that are on that list for this year, not one of them is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. If Mike Reed had not quit after his fifth year in the league, he would be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You can mark it down. He was that great and that dominant. Pro bowler four times in his first five years. Shattered all the sacks records for guys their first year in the league, second year in the league, third year in the league, fourth year in the league, fifth year in the league, and then quit to go become a musician and a songwriter for some of the biggest stars in the music business. Makes his home now down in Nashville. He should be on that list, even with five years in. You can make that much of a difference five years in. He'll get in one day. All right, we're waiting on uh, Ricky Horton. Great take from many of you. Um, Ronnie Smith says, Boomer's the only one of these guys who can be real talking about the Bengals on the air. And I don't get mad if he says something bad because it's the truth. Everyone that's currently in chat, please hit that like button, subscribe. We'll be talking more Bengals, Reds, FC. And you can subscribe in podcast form too. If there's anything you want to go back and listen to later, if you're in the car, if you're doing whatever, go back, search off the bench with Tom Brenneman on uh, all the podcast platforms and everything's there. Podcast still steadily growing, Tom. It yeah, is. Day after day. Podcast just keeps climbing. I tell you, I have more people that randomly come up to me, and I mean, I, I'm just I, I'm, I'm taken aback by it. I, and I say this with the most humility. Um, I, I, I'm just stunned by some of the people who say, man, I saw, you know, blah, 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 on a show yesterday. I'm thinking, really? So, you know, thank all of you who, um, who are dialed in, uh, whether it's live and our you know, regular, always growing list in the chat, or those of you that are downloading in podcast form, we certainly appreciate it. All right, what else we got here? Any other comments before we get to uh, Ricky Horton? Hmm. Well, I know what we can talk about before he comes on. What's that? That's just the Reds over the weekend. You were down there. I was down there Friday. Friday. <laughs> Friday was an interesting experience. Mm. Just so many things were happening. I know it didn't probably feel like that for most people watching at home, but we had some parlays. Oh, yeah. We had some 
crazy moments where, where I I was right by the home run uh, hit from Rizzo on Friday. When I saw that ball off the bat, I legitimately thought there was a chance you might catch that home run. Yeah, there, there was a chance. If I would have ran up, I could have reached out my hand and grabbed it. One of the, the people that were in front of the, the glass shield, they actually, like, screamed for a second because I thought I was going to hit the, their kid. Sure. And they, you know, jumped and whatnot. But it was, it was crazy. I was, uh, I was that, that close. Uh, never had that happen before. I haven't been to very many Reds games. Real quick, can you resend that to, um, to uh, Ricky? Yes. I'll I want to make sure this, this – uh, get me off camera here for a second – um, okay. I want to make sure that he didn't misprint something on this uh, email because that 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 one of the letters in there did not look right to me. Okay. All right. Well, anyways, the Reds the, over the weekend. Um, I think most of us said you know we really wanted to see them at least squeak out a win, um, not get swept by the Yankees to kind of prove that they were. Going in the right direction. You know, this was Matt McClain's first home stint. And it just didn't quite happen. There was a lot of really close, a lot of close fly balls that could have just barely made it if they were in different stadiums, I'm sure. But it just wasn't the Reds' weekend. Really, the only thing I would like a take on from Tom from this weekend, I, I, there was a lot that happened. And Tom, I know you're you're going through the email right now, so. Um, but something that we probably should talk a little bit about is just this entire debacle that happened on Friday night with the sticky substance, and why Clark Schmidt was able to continue in that game, or why David Bell was thrown out of the game. Either one. If anybody was going to be thrown out of the game, it feels like the one thrown out of the game should have been Clark Schmidt. I don't understand. I, I, I still don't. I went back and I watched it again yesterday because I was in – I went to the game on Friday. I was a late addition to the game, got a free ticket on Friday night. And so I went down to the game. I went up to get a beer. And when I was coming back down to my seats, David Bell was out because it was in between innings. And right. Clark Schmidt went and he got the glove check in between innings. So – when I came back, everything had happened, and I kind of missed everything. Then David Bell gets thrown out. Clark Schmidt comes back in the game, and I had a really busy weekend, so I didn't really get a chance to go back and read a, a, a ton about what happened. And so last night, I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm reading some things over to get ready for the show today, and I'm, I went back and I watched the highlight of it. And then I watched the argument with David Bell, and I still don't understand why David Bell got thrown out of the game or – if okay, David Bell gets thrown out of the game. Why Clark Schmidt didn't get thrown out of the game? I don't yeah. understand. I don't understand I the dynamic. I did not know that you were allowed to go back and wash your hands. I know that's what happened with Max Scherzer, but then Scherzer ended up getting suspended for ten games. I don't understand. Yeah. I, I truly don't understand. Zadak yeah. said the same thing on the air. So did Barry Larkin. The umps were terrible this weekend. I mean, that wasn't the first. Well, that was the first of David Bell's ejections over this series. Yeah, he got and ejected it, yesterday. Because I thought yesterday. I went back and watched the highlights. I thought I was watching the same thing, and I realized it was Sunday's game. I mean, it, I just don't understand what, what, what happened. Well, for those of you, you know, they, 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 they pay so much attention now to this spin rate thing, and it's become a big part of analytics, right? And a lot of pitchers are using uh, that tool to get a gauge on, you know, how good is their curveball, how good is their slide. Well, apparently, 
Um, the Yankees charter on Friday night, who is having a terrible year. And we talked about it before the game on Friday, giving up eight home runs in 480 innings, um, ERA six and a half. He's not getting anybody out. Well, all of a sudden, as this game's going on, the spin rate on his curveball and slider is by far better than it's been in any game all year long. And David Bell's looking at this stuff going, what's going on out there? Uh, Ricky Horton says it's really weird. It popped up on his email and then disappeared. Can we send it again? So he's trying. Okay. Um, okay. So anyway, so that's when David Bell says, hold on a minute now. Uh, let's, let's check this out for something. And look, you never really get the, the whole lowdown on exactly what happened. Uh, because most of the time, umpires are a little bit reluctant to get into that whole kind of thing. Although now you can't talk to him after the game in some cases. Uh, and, you know, the manager, uh, sometimes they'll kind of give you the whole lowdown. Um, whether or not he should have been thrown out Friday night is debatable. Yesterday, there are just certain things you can't say. And the whole world could see him or hear him for what he said, which was basically his opinion of their work over the entire weekend. And tomorrow we're going to have Ted Barrett on the show who's considered to be one of the best umpires in all of Major League Baseball, if not the very best. Um, Fred. Fred says the Reds should try cheating. <laughs> I guess they're not trying if they're not, not trying to win <laughs> if they don't cheat. But, man, I, I, what a bad luck, honestly. I mean, if you're trying to turn a whole fan base against – just the officiating and the MLB in general. What better way to do it than against the Yankees, right? It was a very bizarre situation. I still don't understand it. I'd like to read some sort of a clarification on it. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Casey, you want to go to commercial and real quick and try and figure this out? With yeah, because he keeps saying that it's popping up on his email and then literally disappears when he goes to click it. So it might be on his end more than our end. Sounds like. Yeah, we'll, we'll throw it to a break. All right. We'll take a timeout. We're back in just a minute. At United Dairy Farmers, we've perfected freshness in our family bakery, where we use only the finest ingredients, like thick, high-quality glazes on our signature donuts, before delivering them fresh from bakery to store every day. UDF, made for you. If your AC or furnace is struggling, turn to the experts at Bartels Heating and Cooling. Their certified technicians get the job done right the first time, and if you need a new unit, Bartels will give you upfront pricing with no hidden fees. Plus, ask about Bartels 0% interest financing for 60 months. Learn more at BartelsHeatingAndCooling.com. Bartels Heating and Cooling, for a comfortable way of life. Eli's Sports Bar and Grill, proudly sponsoring high school football with three locations in Mason, Liberty Township, and Ross, Ohio. Our 10-foot screens guarantee a great view from every seat in the house. Eli's Sports Bar and Grill, the best place in Cincinnati for sports, food, and fun. Where can you turn when you're in pain? Turn where more high school, college, and pro athletes turn. Where your neighbors and weekend warriors turn. 
Turn to Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine and get superior care on your schedule. That's the Beacon difference. Check out our fresh arrivals at Jake Sweeney Used Cars. Over 250 used vehicles weekly. All makes, all models. From economy to luxury, Jake Sweeney, the original used car superstore. Presented by United Dairy Farmers. We're trying to uh, work our way through, um, and we've got it. Fantastic. Ricky Horton, longtime pitcher in the big leagues, had great, great success. And um, he has, uh, for, I got to ask him how many years now? I mean, it seems like it, it's going on forever that he's been in the TV booth for the St. Louis Cardinals. Now, Ricky, good morning. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for your patience. And uh, welcome into town. How many years you've been in the booth now? Well, I guess not, not, not get on this uh, call right now, but uh, uh, it's been 25, Tom. So 25 years in radio now, but it's been such a great journey. I've been around a lot of, uh, a lot of great people, kind of, you know, how the, how our world is. And, and it's, uh, it's been a, it's been a great, it's been a great ride. You know, Ricky, before we talk about the Cardinals, you've done so much great work through the years with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. It's an organization that uh, that just does phenomenal. I mean, it, all the way down to youth level. You see it a lot in colleges and certainly, you know, on and on and on and on and the influence it has uh, and, and the effect it has on young people all over the country and for that matter, all over the world. What got you started in that group? Well, well, Tom, I'm, I'm I'm thankful that you brought that up because it's my heartbeat. I mean, I I like to say that that FCA is my DNA. I mean, a lot of letters, but that that's the fact. I mean, it's kind of combining the reality of of the athletic world and the people of sport with with uh, my with Christian faith, and and I just love the the connection of those two things. I'm kind of uh, it just kind of hits me right at the core. Uh, and I first got involved because people asked me to to go to an FCA meeting when I was in college, but when I came to St. Louis, our our chaplain, longtime chaplain of the Cardinals. In fact, he was the chaplain for 40 years uh, for the uh, Cardinals. He read, uh, about a month or so ago, uh, Walt Enoch, uh, did, a, did a Bible study for the players. And he was the NBA director at the time, and I got volunteering. I essentially took his place after playing and then kind of did some of that. And, and I'm still actually on staff with FCA, but, uh, but kind of more in the broadcasting world now. But I've kind of done uh, both at the same time uh, since – Playing, but Walt's influence was extraordinary, and uh, I just love the work. Because I think you know, coaches have such great influence. They want to influence the influence. I want to talk to you about the Cardinals a little bit. You know, the the, the team starts out huge expectations, rightfully so. Uh, generally, that's the case every year in St. Louis. It's one of the model yeah. franchises uh, in all the professional sports. But things start out, and they're not going so well. Uh, situation early in the year. Uh, where Marmol benches a player, feeling like he's not running very hard. You've got all these kinds of things going on. The losses are piling yeah. up. Um, and, and look, you know St. Louis better than anybody. They expect to win around there. And when, and when they don't win, people are getting upset. What was it like there at the very start of the year until we'll get to the Cardinals and the way they're playing now here in a moment. But what's that been like, the start of well, this team this year? It was very different, Tom. Games in a row. Where the game ended, and both game one game was lost, and then lost in the middle of the game, but it was bad. Both bad losses, and the Cardinal fans booed. I mean, pretty loudly, and that is almost I don't ever remember that in all my years of being around 
Cardinal baseball. I mean, it's almost like they would have preferred to just sit on their hands and just not kind of say anything and just be silent than actually boo. But the but it was hard because it you know last worst record in the National League at one point and you know losing all those games in a row. Ten and twenty four was the record. Fourteen games under five hundred, and there was no real way. I mean, everybody knew. I, I think everybody deep down thought the team would be better uh, and, and knew the team should be better. Uh, came out of spring training, best team in, in the Grapefruit League in spring training. Everything was going great. But, man, it just nothing worked. The starting pitching was terrible. The, you know, the defense was okay. The hitting was not really great and not very timely. And, and, and then the Cardinals were 1-8 and eight in 1-7 and or 1-8 in one-run game. So all the things that you think are trademark Cardinal things just weren't happening. Okay, so what what happened, or when did you see, or when did you sense that, okay, this thing now is starting to, to possibly get rolling? I mean, you're never really rolling until you're above 500 and you kick it into gear, right. go 8, 10, right. 12, 15 over. But when did you sense that maybe, maybe it's starting to get right? Yeah, so when the Cardinals aren't rolling yet, but they're rolling. That's what they were doing early on, digging a, a big hole, unfortunately. Uh, I think it started during the break series. Cardinals had it where they scored five runs, uh, you know, felt like, okay, this is the offense that we thought was going to happen. And really, I think that two things happened. That you, the Cardinals took a couple of steps back to take five steps forward. And one of them was, you know, kind of taking a timeout, and a pause is the word that Ali Marmol's used for with Wilson Contreras behind the plate because there was not great trust and trust is the word he's using. Not a lot of that going on between catcher and, and pitchers that didn't know him. So they, there was kind of just a long, kind of a re-education about kind of how we should do things with each pitcher. That was helpful. Uh, and and it, it also coincided with Nolan Arnato starting to hit. When Nolan started to hit, everybody remembered, okay, we, we can hit too. And I think he's still the leader as far as that's concerned. When that guy is struggling the way Nolan did, that affects everybody else. I think we're having some uh, problems with uh, Ricky and the, and the connection here. We'll see if we – it looks like he's coming back here for a second. We lost you there for, for a minute there, uh, Ricky. When, when, when uh, You know, I want to go back real quick, if you don't mind, to the Marmol thing uh, early in the year because, you know, a lot of people made a big deal about that. We made a big deal about that on this show. It is something that when you were playing, hey – Manager wants to jump your case, man. And, I mean, if it's in front of everybody, so be it. Uh, in this day yeah. and age, you know, you tend to handle things a little more new age. And the old school guys are getting kind of shoved out. Um, at the end of the day, was that a good thing, a bad thing, or an indifferent thing when all is said and done? What do you think? I would think more good than bad. That's what I think. And, and I think a lot of there's a lot more to it than probably is out there in terms of, you know, the relationship with, uh, I mean, I think, first of all, Tyler's a guy take it, you know, they, it's got to start with that. So anytime there's kind of this, this thing in baseball, that's a, that's a, you know, a fight or whatever, I think, you know, it always has to be thought about in the context of the relationship with the people that are involved. And I, I think Tyler can uh, answer the challenges. And I think the team needed maybe to hear that too. So it wasn't just about Tyler. It was about everybody else. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like uh, it, it, it was one of those one step back to take to take two steps forward. And I, I don't think it was wrong. I don't I don't think it was an isolated incident, which it, it always kind of comes back to be. You know, you judge the, 
well, what happened at that moment? But it's not just that moment. It's other moments and maybe a trend that Ollie was seeing. And I think he wanted to make sure everybody knew that, you know, Ollie's easy along with. He's a young manager. and But he also wants everybody to know he's a manager, too. And I, I, I don't begrudge that a bit. And uh, I think he's relational enough to be able to get by with that in this day and age. I think you're right. You have to be careful about that. But I don't, I don't think he... I mean, I, there were. I heard people talking about he, he lost the team. That is could not be further from the truth. I mean, just can't. I mean, I've been in the clubhouse every day. Ollie has got a very open door kind of deal, and I just think in the context of that team, it was better than bad. Um, you, you brought up Contreras, and I think everybody felt like me included. I mean, felt like, hey, Molina's walking out the door. Perfect guy to bring in for the team. Uh, excellent player, gamer, all those kinds of things for a long time. We'll see if all that gets worked out. But the question is, uh, I'd have for you, Molina's here forever, right? Yes. I mean, forever. And, I mean, you know, him and Wainwright have pretty much run that clubhouse for the better part of 17, 18 years. Um, How much has he been missed? He's been missed a lot. Um, I mean, I just think, you know, his his presence, it was like an extra coach on the field. And I think that was part of the adjustment going on uh, early in the season is, is you know, I think we have a generation of Cardinal pitchers, maybe more than that because Yachty has been there forever, a generation of pitchers that if he put down a one, that's what you'd throw. You wouldn't shake Yachty or Molina, which I would always say, you know, don't do that. I mean, don't just do it because Yachty's saying it. I mean, if you're not convicted to throw that pitch, as a pitcher, you shouldn't be throwing it. I don't care who he is. I don't care if it's, you know, the Johnny Bench or whoever. I mean, you, no, you, you call your own game. And, of course, Yachty was, is great at doing all those things. But I think there was an adjustment for the pitchers to even learn themselves. So it was a little bit about Contreras learning the pitchers, but it was also a lot about the pitchers learning themselves about, you know, how do I want to attack this guy? And 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 I'm going to shake off with a purpose. And, of course, you got the pitch clock, which, which kind of amplifies the – the stress about, you know, shaking off and how many times you can do it and all that. But, but, but Yachty's presence clearly missed. Uh, but I feel like Wilson is starting to, de- to develop a great sense of energy that has become infectious in the clubhouse. And, you know, he's not Yachty, but he's Wilson, and that's all he needs to be. All right, before we get you out of here, uh, the Cardinals this weekend coming into town. You got into town. Series starts tonight. Montgomery uh, is on the mound. What can you tell us about him and the starters in the next two games of this series? Well, Montgomery is uh, two and six, but he's better than that. He's been one of our best starters, and his, even his ERA is he's better than that. He just had some one bad game, and then he got painted a couple times by the relievers with with some uh, unearned run or some runs that came out after him inherited runs. Uh, he's he's a strike thrower. He works quickly. He'll work up in the zone. He's got really good sinking fastball. You know, you need to have that in Cincinnati because obviously a hitter's ballpark. I, I think he'll keep the ball down and, and, and do a good job. Um, you know, the, the other starters, you know, Cardinals are actually now in a six-man rotation. And the last I heard, Tom, it was unclear kind of what the order was. Wainwright will be one of the games, probably game two. But but the kind of the where we go from there, Matthew Libertor is the new guy that got brought up from AAA. Had a very good start, his one start. He's going to mix in over the next 19 days because there's no off days. Uh, so it, it's uh, uh, it, I, as of now, I'm not sure who's starting game three, but the pitching has gotten better. Still not great, the starting pitching, uh, but it's gotten better. The, the offense has just been phenomenal. Three times in the last homestand, the Cardinals scored more than 10 runs. And so they'll be they'll be swinging it for sure. 
All right, last question I want to ask you, and 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 and, and look, I, I'm not asking you to get specific about any of these guys. I'm just asking you, uh, big picture here, okay? Because you pitched for a long time in the big leagues. You know, the Reds have three or four young starters. You're going to see one of them tonight, and they allegedly have a couple of more on the way. Uh, I don't get too excited about what guys do in the minor leagues. Do it in the big leagues, and then we'll talk about it. But they've had Hunter Green. They've had Nick Lodolo. They've had Graham Ashcraft. You know all about these guys. You've seen them. Uh, Talented young pitchers. But uh, they're playing on a team that is, is, as up until recently, was a bad defensive team. Maybe they've gotten some of that straightened out now with moving guys around. Uh, but it's still a very shaky defensive team. Uh, Hunter Green is not one a game. Now, in this day and age, some people say, well, wins don't mean anything anymore. I don't buy that. Nobody likes to see O and dash whatever the number is after their name. I don't care who you are, right? Um, for, a, for young pitchers, now really beginning their first full year, if not a year and a half, two years in the big leagues, um, what would be reasonable expectations for guys like that? I mean, besides take health out of it, because good Lord willing, everybody stays yep. healthy. Lodolo's hurt now. Right. But 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 right. what's reasonable? And then all of a sudden, when you keep seeing that zero next to your name, mentally, what happens to guys? Well, I, I, I agree with you, Tom, about the point that, you know, wins don't matter to a lot of people, but they matter to the pitcher. They matter to your agent and the arbitrator, too, when it comes to, you know, getting your salary. So, honestly, it does matter. And at the end of the, end of the day, if you're 0-6, that means that's six games that your team's lost that you're in and that, and where you don't get to shake hands on the field. And w- wins do matter. I mean, that's why you play. Not, you know, wins the most important thing in the world, but that's what your job is, is to win. So, yes, they matter. I mean, they absolutely matter. And, and it can be psychologically difficult for a young pitcher. I, I think the key there is to make sure – some veteran, and whether it's David Bell or the pitching coach or, or coaches or even veteran pitchers, whatever, give the young guys some context of that. That, that look, this is not, this is, you know, you're, you're 0 and 5, but this isn't the, it's about keep doing what you're doing. And, and you're going to have some days where we get better and we win. And, and, and so you have to take care with that, I think, because it can be uh, kind of demoralizing, I think, for a young pitcher. And I've seen all those guys, guys you just mentioned. I like Lodolo a lot. And I think, Hunter Green throws a million miles an hour, and, and and we've seen Ashcraft too. So so these guys clearly they're big league guys, and and, and you just I, I would say the key is to make sure there's enough um, psychological support in their direction because you're not going to feel it because they're going to look at those numbers and they're just not going to feel it. And the other thing is you got to make sure that that's not their expectation. You don't want you don't want somebody to say, hey, you're, you're going to be a great big leaguer because you're going to throw 100 miles an hour and be 0 and five, and that's fine can't say that either so so it's it's tricky business i think for the for the for the management for the leaders in the clubhouse and the and the coaches to to keep challenging them to say look we're gonna we're gonna get you it's not all about you right now but don't don't settle for this don't settle as a young player for losing because that's not where we're headed i think that's that'd be the message that i would send to them all right. Ricky, we thank you so much for your time today. Welcome to town. I hope you enjoy the next three days. Great I, weather, that's for sure. I've, I've already talked to Marty Brenneman and Tom Brenneman today, so I'm already having a good day. <laughs> well, all right. If you talk to him, I don't know how good your day's off to a good start. I can promise <laughs> you that. All right, Ricky, thanks for your time, man. Great to see you. All right. Great to see you, Tom. Thanks. All righty. Ricky Horton, kind enough to join us. He'll be in the broadcast booth tonight for the St. Louis Cardinals.
You guys going down to any of those games this week? Uh, Big East Tournament Baseball this week. So I will be at Prasco Park in Mason all week long. And that's where I will be. Let's go, some, Casey. At, at some point. Let's I mean, go. So he talked you into, if I remember, he talked you into coming last week. Yes. Because you don't live too far from there. Beautiful no. facility, by the way, out there. Prasco, good yes, folks. Yes, it is. Very, very beautiful. If you've never been down there, you you guys should. I haven't been down there in years. It's probably been like six T years. Tomas coming? I got I to gotta talk to Tomas about it. Okay. I'm sure I can convince him to come on down. Come Wednesday night, 630. The weather is going to be great all week. Well, Weather's going to be fancy, like 80 degrees. Yes, it sunny is. Sunny all week. More than likely, I'm probably going to be there Thursday. Thursday or Friday. Uh, Friday, is that one? Yeah, there's there's games every night. There's the 630 yeah. – 6.30 Wednesday, 6.30 Thursday. Well, there's afternoon games too, but night games, 6.30 Wednesday, Thursday, and then at 5 o'clock Friday. Yeah, so I'll probably be down there the later this weekend or this week. Do it. Free food, free admission, free uh, Chick-fil-A, Skyline, Montgomery Inn. Each day is a different – I don't know which days they're doing. What, what do you call year, that combo thing? Oh, the Sky Rosa. The Sky Rosa. You could do that. La Rosa's too. Yeah, that's one of the days. Oh, yeah. You best believe I'm going to get me a Sky Rosa. Did what you have I? one Friday night? No, I did not. I it didn't was... either. I forgot. I would have done it. I forgot. So, about what it. time did you get down there for those uh, whatever they're called? Uh, the the what is it? A five dollar beer? You guys were talking about last week? An hour before first pitch or what, whatever it was? Well, whenever gates open, and then it's gates open, right? Yeah. Right. Whenever gates open, and then it's until the very first pitch. They're five dollar beers. And so, were you there for that? Yes. Yes. We got through the line, which. Um, Sir Boy actually got us uh, through really quickly. There's a little secret spot that people kind of miss when you're getting into the stadium since it was, you know, the the, the gates were packed with people trying to get through them. There's you get a, that $5 beer. Yeah, there's a gate that people don't realize is not actually, like, associated with something else that's actually an entrance into the stadium. And we got in pretty quickly, and the lines were really, really short for the, the beer garden. Yep. And so we got our beer, and then uh, I actually later on got uh, the Montgomery Inn barbecue right next to the Bud Deck. I think it's Montgomery Inn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that barbecue. So I had a barbecue pulled pork sandwich. Nice. And then I also got uh, from the fry box, me and Thomas split a buffalo chicken fry box. So You know, I've been seeing a lot of Montgomery Inn slander on social media. Really? I love the pulled pork sandwich from Montgomery Inn. I'm not a ribs guy, so I'm not going to sit here and judge whether the Montgomery Inn ribs are good or not. But, man, I, I, I it gets tired to me. Like it's tired. I've seen, seen this on – like, you go down there, get a good pulled pork sandwich, some Saratoga chips, and a beer. You don't have to spend a crazy amount of money. You don't have to spend 50 bucks on the rack of ribs and everything. Sit down there at the boathouse by the water. It's a great night. I don't understand it. I love the I, I love their food and I like ribs and I like chicken, so I've never had the chicken there. I, I that's what I pretty much always get, barbecue chicken. It's great, and they've been great for the town for a long, long time. The um, the um, I've never been to the original Gregory family. Yeah. Oh really? I've never been to the I've I've been many. many that's many, old school, man. Dark. They got a great bar up there. I mean, if you live in that area, great place to go sit down, watch a game. Eat right there at the bar, but it's old school. 
Yeah, I've never been. I've been many, many times to the boathouse, but I've never been, uh, never been to the original. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've actually been to the act like any actual Montgomery Inn places except for the stands that you can go to at different places and including the Reds. Take Alex down to the boathouse sometime. I'm gonna have to. He's not re. To Are you kidding me? He's not reaching in his pocket to do that. It's not that expensive. I didn't say it wasn't that expensive. Well, Alex will definitely get ribs. She Why is there all this talk ribs. about the cowboy in here? I don't know. Maybe because he does their commercials? Maybe. 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 What? Are people getting on me? What, what's going on? No. I don't know. Okay. Why are they getting on you? I don't know. I, don't, I, think, I think we're good. I think we're good. Okay. We're good. Uh, all right. Let me... Yeah. Nope, nothing from Chad. Uh, yeah. What? Where was your go-to? Uh, let me ask you this, Tom, because I don't think we've ever gotten this. Yeah. Speaking of food, when you know, let, let's say Ricky Horton's in town. Yep. And you know, we've talked about the Blind Lemon. Obviously, a great spot. One of the yep. best bars here in Cincinnati. Yep. But we know Jeff Ruby's. We know Montgomery Inn. Would it be one of those two or would it be somewhere else? You have an off night and you have your guys in town, the other broadcasters, and there's like, say, four of you. Well, we used to take every year when I would get an NFL game and our Fox crew would come in, right? I'd always have a big thing for him at the precinct. I'd get that upstairs okay. room, Yep. right? And, and, and have everybody come down there because it kind of shows off what our city, right, in part, is known for and the ruby steak and all that kind of thing, right? So, yeah, I mean, most of the time when guys come into town, you know, uh, like that, you, you're not going to hang out with them on an off day because it's rare for you to have an off day and it's rare for them to have an off day, right? Sure. So most of the time it turns into going to have a beer. Or maybe it's a, maybe you had a day game and, you know, it's a night yeah, game yeah, the next yeah. day, you know. You got yeah. a dinner to go to with your guys here in Cincinnati. The precinct? Well, right now, I'd go to the new Rubies because mm. it's new. Yeah. It's cool. Have you been? Oh, yeah. I mean, th there, aren't, there aren't five places in the country like that joint. I mean, it is the biggest of big league. Now, it's a big league ticket. Huge ticket, right? <laughs> I mean, the money is, is you better bring your wallet. But... Uh, but then, again, you know, maybe you want to go, you know, maybe they're like, nah, I don't want to go to some fancy place and get dressed up or whatever it might be and just want to go to wherever, you know. Where would you take them? Uh, so yeah, on my budget, let's see. <laughs> the Hamilton Taco Bell. Um, <laughs> T-Bell. T-Bell. Bernito uh, Chocinco over at McDonald's. That's oh, right. Yeah. That's right. I don't know. Montgomery Inn wouldn't be. If you go to the boathouse, you're sitting by the window. That's not a bad option. Um, I mean, the precinct's just the best, but I there's no way I could afford that right now. What about like but, the Eagle? Yeah, the, Everett makes a great point. The Eagle's great if you can get in. Uh, we were trying to go there the other night and couldn't get in. You know what? what's a, what's a low-key nice spot? I don't mean low-key as in like it's a low-key place like – kind of under the radar those that you don't really think about what's More that line where more line right oh, across, no doubt right Easy. across from the red stadium yeah because you're right there in the yep. city i yep. just i just went there for dinner with some friends the other night you're right there in the city and 
you can go over to the banks and have a beer afterwards if you want to, or you can have one of their beers, which are outstanding. It's a great spot. If you're sitting outside on a summer night, like the other night they had a concert series going in that little park next yep. next to it. So they had a live band playing. And it's a little cooler inside, too, because they got the fans a little air conditioning. I mean, it's it's a great spot. So if you're not looking for, like, the precinct or one of those. Or Soto or something yeah, like or, that. Yeah, or, or like a Boca or one right, of those. But, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's that's a whole different kind of – that's we're, a whole different We're getting idea. all kinds of people that are, that are uh, jumping in. You know, Sundry and Vice, uh, that's a cocktail joint. Uh, but agave and rye, you've been over there? I've never been to agave and okay. rye. No, I've gotten it recommended a million times, but I've never actually been over there. Okay. Uh, Tavs? Is that, is been, that I've, been, I've been to Tavs. Tavs is there. good. Tavs is good. Okay, I never heard of it. La Mexicana in Newport, you've been over there? Never. I've, I mean, yes, I've eaten in Newport a, a million times, but never to that. White Castle! <laughs> the Carthage White Castle. I that is a staple. <laughs> that is a staple of Paul because that's the Carthage White Castle is in between my house and Xavier's campus. So on the way home from Xavier Games at like eleven thirty when the press conference gets done and I'm finally meandering out of the Cintas Center, that's about the only thing open. It's in between uh my house and, and Cintas. So I am a frequent visitor of the Carthage White Castle. Uh, you've been to the Turf Club right there on Eastern Avenue? Uh, I have not because they were one of those restaurants where you could throw peanuts around and my dweeby, uh, my dweeby allergy holds me back. Tom. I got you. Okay. Uh, they, they changed ownership. I don't know what it's like uh, since then. Uh, of course, Sir Boy Wonder is always talking about the oak. The oak is elite. They serve food? Oh, their wings are awesome. At the oak? Yeah, oh yeah. In Oakley? Yeah. Be I you know what What's the name about? of that dump? Oak what? Oak Tavern? Oakley Tavern? What's it called? No, no, no. Well, there's the Oak, and then right down the street from it, there's the Oakley Pub and, Pub and Grill. There's, okay. That's two different things. So there's a place called just the Oak. The Oak. And All it's right. in Oakley. It's right across from St. Cecilia's Church. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I, it's fantastic. Unlike you guys, big leaguers here, I'll just take my free Texas Roadhouse coupon <laughs> I got from the game that magically fell from the sky. You got to... Man. Yeah, and by the way, I wasn't a, saying it's a – that was just a, a, a having fun. I'm not calling the place a dump. I said it, but that's not what – you knew that already, sir, boy. Relax. <laughs> Relax. Sir, boy, getting offended. You know, there were some interesting decisions made down there just to kind of tie a ribbon around this red stuff. Hopefully we have Chad Brendel coming up shortly to talk a, bit, a little bit about UC recruiting. But – you know, there were a lot of interesting decisions made over the weekend, and we talked about this last night. I don't like – I think it's fair game, and I said it's fair game, to have fans question uh, the manager of a baseball team uh, about his day-in and day-out starting lineup. And some people get all mad when you say that. There's no doubt the manager knows some of the things going on that we as fans don't know. Maybe a guy's nicked up. Maybe a guy's got something going on at home. Uh, maybe the, the computer got him, as the phrase goes, in, in baseball today, meaning his matchup numbers, for whatever reason, don't match up with a particular guy on the mound. But I got to tell you, um, Sunday for me, I sat there and said to myself, Hold on a minute now. 
How in the world do you not have regular players playing on Sunday when you're on the verge of getting your tail swept for the weekend? Now, a lot of people say, well, the Yankees didn't start all this. No, they didn't. They played some backup guys. Judge didn't play on Sunday. But they had already won the first two games of the series. So they're not conceding the series, although their best starter, potentially, once healthy, was a guy going on Sunday. But the best red starter, potentially, was going on Sunday. No Will Myers. No Tyler Stevenson. You had a chance to hit Tyler Stevenson late in the game with a chance to tie the game in your last teams at bat. And no, they don't do it. Stevenson and Myers go one for 14 on Friday and Saturday night. Myers uh, doesn't know what to say. Uh, and I admire the guy for not ducking the media. He's just like, I, I don't know what to tell you. It has been a disaster. And he was the only big free agent they had to speak of at all during the offseason. Will he get it together? I don't know. We continue to talk about Stevenson. This is, um, this is troubling. Uh, because this guy looks lost. Struck out three times on Saturday. And things are not getting better. No. No, he's going through a slump. That's for sure. I I worry about him too, Tom. Um, he was definitely within the plans for them in the future, right? I mean, I think everyone would agree with that. Um, I'm just pulling it up right now, but... Just in the month of May. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, you were looking at the month of May. The, the month of May, I mean, he, he's been horrible. I mean, it, it. like I was saying before we, we started this series, he was at like a .28 batting average, I believe. I believe that's what it was. Something close to that. And now, just within the month of May, I mean, it, it's it's not good. It's not good at all. May, he is .193. It's horrible. Horrible. I don't even know how, how just within the last seven days, .133. I mean, he's been really bad. Horrific. His, his overall batting average has gone down 20 points this month. Started the month at 265. He's down to 245. One, two, three, four, five. He has a total of five runs batted in the entire month. The entire month. We're sitting here uh, on the 20, what? Third? 22nd, 22nd of June. Uh, May, he has one, two home runs this entire month. Right, five RBIs. He has one, two, three, four. Or no, hold on a second. He has one. He has one double. One double. One double, and two home runs this month. 
with five runs batted in. Basically playing every day. I don't know what they're going to do with him. Uh, I know, you know, you give it up to the kid. He's been looking, um, he's been looking for uh, help. I guess he, he reached out to Barry Larkin. Uh, and God bless him. Uh, there's nothing wrong with asking for help, man. Um, and, and, and look, PB's Ghost, I, I love your thoughts and I love your opinions. But look, I, I don't want to hear about who's hitting in front of him and behind him. Okay? I don't want to hear about it. Because baseball is littered with really good hitters that played on terrible teams and nobody hit in front of them and nobody hit behind them. And by and large, they've had a couple of guys hitting in front of him. And I'm not talking about necessarily one spot in front of him. But I'm talking about in front of him before his spot in the lineup comes up. They've had a couple of guys that have had pretty good years at the top of that lineup. Including India. Yeah. So, you know, look. How do you feel about McLean? Well, McLean's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. Uh, I'm not going to get worked up that, you know, he had an home run. I'm not, not going to get wrapped up in any I mean, these guys, he is trying to get his legs underneath him at the big league level. Every pitcher, by and large, he is facing, whether it be a starter or whether it be a reliever. He is seeing the guy for the very first time. So I'm not getting wrapped up in all that. Just run him out there, let him play, and let's see what happens. We do have Chad Brendel in about two minutes. Oh, good. All right, looking forward to that. Um, So I'm not going to worry about him. Uh, Way too early for that. Um, You know, run him out there, see what happens. If you want no further difference, and this is why, again, I do not buy the hype of minor league players. I don't do it. And do yourself a favor and don't do it. Because you'll make yourself crazy. And if there is exhibit A in a courtroom of the difference between AAA and the big leagues, look at Will Benson. I, I, I read yesterday where his last three weeks at AAA, he's hitting 450. This year at the big leagues, and he started the season as an everyday player. He has two hits. And he's hitting 450 for three weeks at AAA? Now, the truth probably lies somewhere in between the two. Right? And I'm not going to throw in the towel on Benson yet. He's got all the physical attributes of being a guy that, that you get excited about. Former number one pick. But Cleveland saw him. Cleveland is not in the habits of giving away number one picks. The Reds took a flyer on the guy. Listen, don't buy the minor league hype. Let them get here and see what they do. Root for them while they're here. Don't buy the hype. All right. Kind enough to join us on short notice today. You hear him all the time. All the time. Uh, he is the man when it comes to everything going on uh, at the University of Cincinnati. He's great on all the sports. I love listening to him as a talk show host here in town. 
Uh, Chad Brendel. And Chad, uh, before we go any further, I know I echo with so many. Um, and, and our thoughts and prayers have been with you uh, and the passing of your wife, uh, Kelly. And uh, our thoughts and prayers are very much with you. How are you guys doing? We're hanging in there. It's uh, it's not easy, uh, but luckily I've I've got a twelve year old little girl that keeps me occupied every day, and uh, you know now she comes to me for all the money she needs to spend. So, <laughs> no, a, just get ready. You have no idea. Yeah. You think oh, 12, I, 12 are expensive? I got a twenty year old. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, hey, there's a lot going on here at UC right now. I want to yeah. start with football. Because, um, you know, everybody knows a deal. Fickle decides to go to Wisconsin. Uh, there was a lot of talk about who they would hire, who they wouldn't hire. You, you follow this stuff like nobody's business. What has been your uh, interpretation, feeling, whatever the, the, the word might be, about the job done so far without having played a game from Coach Satterfield? So far, I think they've done really, really well. I mean, they've had success in the transfer portal. They kept a, a pretty good chunk of their uh, recruiting class together, including the guy that is uh, the future of the program, hopefully a quarterback in uh, Brady Drogosh uh, that was a, a really, really highly touted kid out of Michigan that, you know, decided to stick with him. And, and he kind of fits that zone read, outside zone running system that, that Scott Satterfield likes with his quarterbacks. So I think they did a good job there. Uh, right now, they're sitting with the top 20 class in the country for 2024. Uh, they're, they've done a good job identifying talent, get it to campus, get them committed. Um, so I, I think they're happy with, with how things have gone in the recruiting side of things. They had a pretty good spring. I think the defense looks like they're going to be pretty strong. And, um, you know, I... When, when you look at across the board, I think they've hit the ground running pretty well. The question is, how are they going to assimilate themselves into season one in the Big 12? And when you're setting expectations, what are realistic expectations for this program as they go into this first season in a much better conference, a conference where you can lose on any given week, you know, and, and that wasn't the case in the American there were just too many times where, you know, they take the field and they're so far superior in talent that even if they have a bad day or they, they're not playing at the top of their game, they're still able to win. And that's not going to be the case in the Big 12. So I, I think, Tom, when you look at their uh, their nine-game Big 12 schedule, I think six of those games are considered coin flips, where it's within like, you know, 52 to 48, right. uh, 53 to 47. So when you're looking at just from the jump, six of your games are going to be coin flips. There's such a wide variance in in what the schedule can be. I know a lot of fans kind of freaked out when they saw the the over under win total set by Vegas at four and a half. But I'm not comfortable really betting either way on that because there's so much unknown and this roster is so new. Uh, I just did a, a, a video with 24/7 Sports National talking about like what's a what's considered a good season I think if they get to six or seven wins uh, I think you have to consider that a successful year one for Scott Satterfield you know it's interesting that you know you, you, you you're you're playing one off the other here where okay you're gonna take a hit 
losing Luke Fickle. He was going in there recruiting guys, selling UC, all the great things about yeah. UC, all the stuff happening, the indoor facility, all this kind of thing going on. Now he goes, so you take a hit. New coach comes in, but now you're selling Big 12. Is there a significant difference in the people you talk to about the kind of kid that you're going to get into their home because now you are in the Big 12? I, I, I talked about this a lot on the basketball side of recruiting, but I think it fits in football as well. I thought the biggest mistake that was made by the American Athletic Conference was selling off the Big East name um, because it means something. Like, uh, th th this is the example I use. Kids in the, in the Northeast grew up dreaming of playing in the Big East. Kids in the South dream of playing in the SEC. Kids from Texas dream of playing in the Big 12. Who in their right mind dreamed of grow, grow, grew up dreaming of playing in the American Athletic Conference? Nobody. <laughs> not a single person. There's not a single kid out there that at, at 12 years old was like, man, if I can just get to Tulane or, or Tulsa or Temple or somewhere like that, I, I've made it. I've made it. So in recruiting, that makes a big difference. Like you're, you're able to now tell a kid from Texas, we're going to play two games a year in your home state. Uh, you know, you can go into Florida and, and, and say you're going to be playing on ESPN and Fox every weekend and, and you're going to have an opportunity to be seen at a program that has already shown it can put great players in the NFL and, and have them go really high in the NFL draft. So it just adds to that that sales pitch because in the American, all you were doing was fighting off Kentucky saying you're not you don't want to go play in that conference. You don't want to go play. Tulane at, at 11.30 on a Saturday morning on ESPN+. Plus. Like, and, and they were right. And, and now you actually have some fight back against that, that, hey, we're in a big boy conference and, and we're playing those big-time games, those big-time opponents every week. And in recruiting, that makes a huge, huge difference just in getting in the door. Like when you talk to coaches, when they would talk about recruiting to the American, the hardest part would be a lot of kids wouldn't even take your call. Right. If they're if they're four star or or, or you know five star type kids, they won't even take the phone call. They they're just nah, they, nah, no thanks. Even with going to the college football playoff, even with Sauce Gardner and Travis and Jason Kelsey, you know, on your resume as as look what we can do, they're just no, I'm not interested. And and that's going to come to an end now. So that's a big big plus for the program. Okay, you're starting to see some of that now all of a sudden on the basketball side of things. I mean, if the football thing is going to be challenging, the basketball thing is an enormous task because without a doubt across the board, Big 12 basketball is it, man. Best conference by far uh, in the country. So well, what were your thoughts about signing the seven-footer from Utah Valley and, and what Wes Miller has going on? Because, Chad, you know as well as I do, there are a lot of people out there, and I'm not one of them. There are a lot of people out there that are on Wes Miller's ass already around here. I think they made a nice hire with a guy, but but they, you know how people are, right? Oh yeah. It, well, Cincinnati basketball is a proud story. Like that's that's when you're talking about tradition. Cincinnati basketball has the tradition, and they have a fan base that has expectations. And if you don't meet those expectations, then the fan base is is going to get grumpy, and that's understandable. That's that's why I'm able to have a job. Is because people are passionate about it. Um, I, you know, I, I think, again, recruiting to the American was was extremely difficult, even more difficult in basketball than it was in football. <clears throat> and, you know, you, you just look at what he's been able to do this offseason. 
not just, you know, Aziz Bandago, who was the seven-footer from Utah Valley. If you watch Cincinnati play Utah Valley in the NIT, he dominated them. Yeah, I mean, he owned Cincinnati. And that's funny because that could be part of the reason why he's at Cincinnati now is a coach gets a first-hand look, and then that guy goes in the portal, and it's like, oh, buddy, we, we, we got to go get him. And they made that happen. But it, it, he also – you had C.J. Frederick, who – has had unfortunate injury issues at Kentucky. But I, I think the positive of that is it, it's not like he's got a bad knee that keeps coming up. I mean, right. like this year, his issue at Kentucky, he went in for a layup, got fouled, and broke his rib hitting the camera that was underneath the basket. Like, that's pretty fluky. Yeah. If you get the C.J. Frederick that was at Iowa, that was one of the top three-point shooters <laughs> in the country at, at 47%, the dog's excited about it. I mean, yep, you know. Absolutely. Should be. Should be. I, my dog's getting okay. excited about it. Um, and then you get Simus, Seamus Lukosius. Hey, calm down. You get Seamus Lukosius from Butler, who was – ask Xavier fans about him. He was he was really good in the, in the two games that Butler played Xavier. Um, give me one second. Hey, calm down. <laughs> I've been there. Oh. Um, so, you know, you, you get – and then you also get Jameel Reynolds, who is, you know, kind of a back-to-the-basket low-post presence that they haven't had on this roster really since Trey Scott and Gary Clark. So you added and, – and this was my big thing coming into this offseason, Tom. You couldn't just go into the transfer portal and get guys. You had to go get guys that came in at the top of your roster. You lost David DeJulius. You lost Landers Nolly. You couldn't, you couldn't get filler. You had to get starters or starter quality players. And now when you look inside Victor Locken, who's, you know, maybe yep. the best returning player on this team yep. and Reynolds and uh, Bandago, now you've got a big 12 front court and you, you're surrounding that with Lukosius and CJ Frederick on the wing guys that really can shoot. I think the biggest and most obvious question for this team, Tom point guard with Mike Adams woods leaving, you have two guys that the staff is insanely high on. And Davion Thomas, he goes by Day-Day. And Jizzle James, who is the son of Edger and James. Uh, those two guys, they believe, are high-level, elite college point guards. But neither of them have dribbled a basketball in a Division One game, much less in a Big 12 game. Right. And with Mike Adams-Woods leaving, now you don't have a safety net. And maybe that gets answered this summer. Maybe they they look to bring somebody else in in the portal to give them that steady hand at point guard that, that they're going to need. But the reality of the situation is, if they were right, and those two guys are high-level college point guards, this should be a really good team. If they were wrong, the Big 12, uh, it, it, here's a, a line from Mick Cronin when they used to play in the Big East. Mick always used to say in press conferences, you're one week away from a three-game losing streak every week, every week, because every week you are looking at your schedule and it looks something like UConn, Pitt, Syracuse, and, and you have to go deal with that. And and really, when you looked at the old Big East, there was still DePaul and St. John's and yep. South Florida that were at the bottom of that conference kind of pulling it down. Who pulls the Big 12 down? I hear you. They're all top 50. Yep. West Virginia last year was, was 58. And, and I think they were 7-11 and 11 in conference play. That's and right. still made the NCAA tournament comfortably. So, you know, that's expectations. People, 
people are in for a shock to the system going into a league where you can lose 11 conference games and still comfortably make the big the big dance because of how strong that league is. The, the coaching is great. The talent acquisition is great. They had, I think, seven top 25 transfers are going to the Big 12. All the other conference, major conferences combined also had seven. Like, it, it's it's just power in every way. It's, There's it's, no doubt. It, it's an impressive league to watch. Like, when they get into the Big 12, you start watching more Big 12 games to get your your mind ready for it. And, and there were times last year, it's like, am I watching a different sport? Yeah. This isn't You're... the sport I'm watching in the American Conference. This You're right. It's a whole different thing. And it's fun to watch, but, well, buddy, it gets very <laughs> real coming, coming December. Chad, we thank you for your time, man. Love to have you back uh, because you're, you're so dialed in the Bearcat Journal and uh, love to have you back again. I appreciate it and uh, great talking to you, Tom, and hope you guys have a great show. We'll see you soon. All right, man. Chad, thanks so much. Chad Brindle, Bearcat Journal, he's all over the place. I really like him on radio talk show, man. I mean, he, uh, he surprises me. I, I had never seen him. And, and I love hearing him talk about the music they run in and out. I mean, I could learn a lesson from Chad. I mean, I'm like an old dude. He's not an old dude. But, you know, I mean, maybe I should start listening to some of the music my kids listen to. I mean, he's talking about going to concerts. I never heard of half these guys. But they sound good when they're running that music. I like it. Maybe I ought to try to get a little younger. What do you think? Get hip, Tom. A little more. What's the word? Get hip. Now, hip, hip's an old school word. Well, I was trying to bridge the gap. But what, what, what's, a, what's an equivalent in the in, in the in the uh, didn't we do a teaching time verbiage? On this? No, I know. But what would be like what's the equivalent of hip today? What's a young person's word? Drip is more to do with the way you look. Right. Yeah. The clothes you wear. Yeah. Drip. But yeah. hip is a little bit of everything. It's a combo of maybe what you wear, the way you act, the way you think, the way you kind of carry yourself, you know. There are people who are just hip, and then there are other people who just aren't hip. I think it still applies. Drip? No, hip. I think it still applies. Well, I know it still applies. I was just asking, though, is there an equivalent to that? Ah. Use it. Roll with it. Okay, hip it is. Lean into it, Tom. We do All have right. a cherry on top before we get to box lunch. All right, let's do it. Cherry on top presented by United Dairy Farmers. We have box lunch coming up. We think this is the video you were talking about, and if not, it still conveys everything the same way. This is a scene, sights and oh, sounds. let's see this. From FC Cincinnati. something else entirely but yeah. i mean the, the the experience of being there i mean it it you feel that that energy throughout the entire game right yeah all right doesn't look like cincinnati is uh, ronnie smith says but it is 
I mean happening. Happening. All right. Um, box lunch. Reed Mouse. Tom, how's it going? What's going on with your cubbies? Listen. That's a sinking ship, man, fast. It is crazy because if you look at how the players are playing, you look along their, their lineup, only two hitters are doing well. Almost everyone else is hitting fantastic. They're playing great. I think they're top five in positional war. Okay. You look at their starting pitching. Pitching great. Justin Steele is a bona fide Cy Young contender. Marcus Stroman's been great. Drew Smiley's been great. But they just lose. They just keep losing. And I don't, I don't know what is the reason because they are top 10 in ERA, top 10 in pitching war. They are top five in lineup war. They are top five, I believe, in OPS. But they just keep losing. So I just, it doesn't make any sense. You figure it's going to turn around at some point, but I don't know. Who cares? You're a little down about it. A little down about it is, is an understatement. They, their losing streak started around the same time that I hung a W flag outside my humble abode. Wow. So, Ooh, I don't believe don't don't see that, that 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 flag's tired. You Jinx don't like the don't W exist. flag, Tom? I, I think it's really cool at the ballpark. Because, you know, there are a lot of people, and you know this, yeah. but there are a lot of people, uh, believe it or not, even in this day and age, that might have a really busy day and have a lot going on. You know, what it, mm -hmm. now, now this isn't the majority anymore, but for a long time, it was the case before all the cell phones and internet and all that mm -hmm. kind of thing and access to scores and talk radio. But I mean, there's still people that, you know, they got stuff going on during their day and they can't fool around on their phone and they can't fool around checking scores or whatever it might. They're running their kids here. They got an appointment there, a work thing here and got to go to pick up a dry cleaning and whatever. And, and then drive by that ballpark and see the sign. I mean, see the flag. And, and they know they whether know. the Cubs won or lost. That's how they know. It's really cool. I miss when Great American Ballpark used to do the – they still have it where they do the standings out in right field. Right. But it's on a video board now. Right. I miss it kind of where it was old school. And they had they actually had flags and their logos about – and that's how you knew who was in first place in the standings when you went to the ballpark. I agree. How long has it been since they took out the, the old out-of-town scoreboard at Great American Ballpark? It's been a while. Been a while. Because they, they, you know, they keep pouring in. I mean, the one thing you have, you do have to say about the Reds, and I mean, look, you can say good, bad, and different. Doesn't matter to me. I don't care. But the one thing they they have done very, very well is they've poured a lot of money into the fan experience of that ballpark. No doubt. No doubt. They've it's, done a great job. It's a fantastic ballpark. Yeah, no doubt about it. And and you know whether it's the 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 lighting or the band and all you know what stuff mm -hmm. you're talking about, um, they they've done a they've done a nice job on that. Now they just got to get the product right on the field. Um, is that where you're starting? 100,000 in attendance, I'm assuming that's yeah, the Reds we, well, over the weekend. Yeah, we talked about it on Box Lunch last week about we kind of kind of try to guess at how many would be in attendance. And we, we guessed right around, what would we say, 70,000? We said over the course of three games, 70,000 fans would show up. And oh, they were going to do better than that. They did that in the first two games. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, I, that's not a good number to start with. Um, we know that. Okay, but here's a question. Let's, let's take right now. Have a little quick deal. Okay. Okay? Okay. You had over 100000 for the weekend. One okay. sellout, if I'm not mistaken. Saturday. Saturday was 41000 Attendance tonight. Paul? 12000 Announced. Casey? Mm. I'll go... I'll go fifteen. Cardinals in town, I would say, I think 12 is a little low. I would say 15, 16 is somewhere right It is a there. nice night. It is a beautiful is, night out. It's a out. really nice night out. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna go on the lower end. These guys went a little higher. I'm gonna go a little lower. I'm going lower than you. I'm saying ten. Mm-hmm. That bad, huh? Hey, if you were if you took away opening day and the games this weekend, Paul and I, our guests would be a hell of a lot closer to being right than you two guys. That's that's right. Right? That's right. That's Do you right. care? You think that many people care anymore much about the St. Louis Cardinals? I mean, all of the guys from the Reds that you rooted for against him and all the villains, Molina, all these guys, mm-hmm. right? I guarantee you 90% of the Reds fans couldn't tell you the name of the manager of the Cardinals. You knew when Tony LaRusso. That's probably fair. You knew when Tony LaRusso managed the Cardinals. Paul, who's the manager of the Cardinals? I'll be honest, I don't know. <laughs> Oliver Marmol. But oh, I know what you're saying. That's right. I, and the only reason I knew it was because he, he, he pulled the guy out of the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? But you knew when Tony LaRusso was there. No doubt. You even knew to a lesser extent when Mike Matheny was Mike there. Mike Matheny? Oh, good or bad, you knew Matheny. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I just don't think there's – we'll see. I hope I'm wrong, and I hope you guys are closer to being right. Casey, thank you. Thank you, Tom. Paul, thank you, buddy. Absolutely. Reed, good luck on the show. Thank you, Tom. Here we go. Box lunch. Here we go.